This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth, according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all your wonderful faces today. Uh, thank you for the prayers on my behalf. I really do appreciate that. Uh, today, I want to talk about prayer. There's a song in our book that goes... When you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? When you were met with great temptation, did you think to pray? When your heart was filled with anger, did you think to pray? When sore trials came upon you, did you think to pray? This is a beautiful song. And often as speakers, we often talk about things that we struggle with personally. And prayer, my prayer life is something I struggle with very, very much. So today I want to talk about how we pray what prayer, what we pray for, and what even is prayer? One of the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. In Luke 11, verse 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he seized, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. Here we have Jesus praying. And when he stopped for a moment, one of the disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. I mean, I'm sure the disciples knew what prayer was and what it looked like, for they grew up in a culture that prayed. They would have seen the men standing on the corners of the streets, the men teaching or praying in the synagogues as well. But something about the way Jesus prayed made him ask, Lord, teach us to pray. And then Jesus went on to say or recite the Lord's Prayer or the Model Prayer, as some say it. But today we won't study the Lord's Prayer in depth, not because it's not important, it's just not the main focus of this study. Today, I'd like to start off by simply asking, what is prayer? Prayer is one of our duties, our joys, and our privilege that we have in this Christian life. Our Heavenly Father our Heavenly Father's will and desire is for us to pray. 1 Thessalonians, 1, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 17 through 18. Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus concerning you. It is also a great privilege to be able to draw near unto God. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It is also our great joy that God will hear our prayers. And James 5.16, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's not our wealth, it's not our knowledge, it's not some talent we possess or some office that we hold. It's simply, or maybe not so simply, being a righteous man is all that's required of us. And it's safe to say that Jesus was a righteous man or is a righteous man, and that his prayers were answered. I mean, who better to be our example of how to pray than Jesus? Something about Jesus' prayer life made the disciples ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. They could have asked anything, Lord, teach us how to preach, teach us how to heal. But they asked him, teach us how to pray. And well, Jesus prayed much, like all the time, which is proof that why we as Christians must also always be in prayer. If Christ was always in prayer, why aren't we? <clears throat> For example, 
As Jesus was being baptized, he prayed. Luke 3, verse 21, the Bible says, And when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was open. Jesus, before selecting the disciples, he prayed. Luke 6, verse 12, the Bible says, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Jesus, after hearing the death of John the Baptist and feeding the great multitude, he prayed. Matthew 14, 23, after dismissing the crowds, he went up onto a hillside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Jesus also, before departing from his disciples one last time, in John 17, this chapter is a prayer that Jesus prayed. In this prayer, he prayed for himself. He prayed for those that are his. He prayed that they would be kept, that they would be sanctified, united, that they may be glorified as well. The night Jesus was arrested in the garden, Jesus prayed, not once, not twice, but three times he prayed. Verse 39, the Bible says, And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. In verse 42, he prays again. He went away the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And then finally, in verse 44, Jesus prayed once more. And he left them and went away again. And he prayed the third time, saying the same words. Jesus prayed three times, let this cup pass from me. But he said, it is not my will that needs to be fulfilled. It is yours, God. Even as Jesus was on the cross, he prayed. In Luke 23, verse 34, the Bible says, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And then the people began to mock him. By saying, save, he saved others, yet he can't save himself. The soldiers also jumped in on the mockery, saying, you king of the Jews, save yourself. And even the thief right next to him did the same. He said, if you truly are the Christ, save yourself and save us. And then a darkness came over the earth. The veil of the temple was, was split. And Jesus prayed one last time. In verse 46, it says, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Jesus, with his final breath, prayed to the Father. And there are many more examples of Jesus praying in the Bible, and many that are not even in the Bible. John tells us that if everything were to be written about Jesus, the books would not be able to contain them. So if someone ever says prayer isn't important, let them look up Jesus and his prayer life and let them come back to you and see what they say. If it was important to Jesus, why is it not more important to us for us to pray? Prayer was also important for the early church. On the day of Pentecost, when the church was first established in, Luke, in Acts 2, Luke tells us that they prayed. Acts 2 verse 41 and 42 then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and breaking of bread, 
and in prayers. On the first day, they continued steadfastly in prayers. As Peter was, when Peter was arrested and in prison, the church prayed earnestly for him. In Acts 12, verse 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. It says that the church never stopped praying for Peter. The church was also urged, they were admonished to pray. In Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant and prayer. They were also told to give themselves to prayer. And Colossians 4, 2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. In other words, be consistent, be diligent, devote yourselves to prayer. This is what Paul told the Colossians. We are also to pray at all times. Ephesians 6, 18, the Bible says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance, supplication for all saints. Pray at all times. Paul was saying, never be discouraged. Don't be disheartened when it feels like your prayers aren't being heard. Continue praying. The church was also told to pray and to give thanks in everything. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Colossians 4, 2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18, pray without ceasing, everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We need to remember that every good gift comes from God. James 1, 7 says, For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. William Shakespeare in the King Lear said this, How sharper than a serpent's tooth is it to have a thankless child. So the answer to what is prayer, it is simply our relationship with God. I want you to think of it this way. If I only speak to my father once a year, do you honestly believe I have established a great relationship with him? Don't you think my father would love to hear more from me? You don't think he wants to know how I'm doing? How's my job? How's my life? How's my wife? Of course he does. What father does, doesn't? And to all the fathers here, how many of you love it when your child walks up to you and says, I love you, thank you for everything you have done for me. Same with our Heavenly Father. God wants to hear from us. He wants to know what you have need of. God wants us to love Him with all our soul and mind. Brothers and sisters, many will pray, but many will not be heard as well. And why is that? There's a lot of factors that contribute. For instance, our approach in prayer the conditions of an acceptable prayer, and the reasons that we pray. But first, we'll answer the questions, how should we approach God? We need to approach God with reverence. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 9, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus said, Our Father. You see, God is our Father. God is our Creator. He is our great provider. He knows what we have need of as any good father should. But I do want to point out that there is a balance between father and creator of the universe. We can't be as spoiled children who call upon father, upon Abba, upon daddy every time we need something. We must remember him as Alpha and Omega, as the beginning and the end. He is our authority. 
We must declare that into the world. Jesus said, hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed in Greek is hagiazo, which means to make holy. In other words, Jesus was saying, make God's name holy. That is what he's saying. You see, today people drag God's name in, in the dirt. They use it whenever they need a, they can't find a word to express, and they use it to curse when they stub their toe. I'm sure many of you have heard people use God's name in vain. But see, God is pure. God is holy. And when we say it, his name, we should say it in such a manner. A good example is this Moses when he was speaking to the bush. God told Moses to take off his shoes for he was standing on holy ground. To our knowledge, the ground that Moses was actually standing on wasn't previously holy, but it became holy by the presence of God. We must understand that God is both high and lowly. We also need to approach God in a humble manner and not like the Pharisee in Luke 18. Luke 18 verses 10 to 12, the Bible says that two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Now, was this Pharisee going to God in a humble fashion? I mean, he starts his prayer off pretty good. He says, God, I thank thee. That was the only good thing about his prayer. The Pharisee then goes on to justify himself, to try not to appear as unholy as the publican. He says, at least I am not as the extortioners, the unjust, the adulterers, or even as this other guy, this publican over here. Then Jesus begins to talk about the publican as well in verses 13 to 14. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much his eyes unto heaven, but smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. This publican acknowledged that he was a sinner and he knew it. He was so anguished and grievous that he could even look up to heaven. Now, this publican did the opposite. Instead of trying to justify his sins with all his good deeds as the Pharisee did, he simply acknowledged his own unworthiness. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Another great example of this is King David. King David approached God in a very humble manner. In 2 Samuel 7:18, the Bible says, And went King David in and sat before the Lord. And he said, Who am I, O Lord God? What is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? King David went very humbly unto God. King David being a very powerful man in the kingdom, as he was the king, but he even knew that he was nothing compared to God. He acknowledged his own unworthiness before God by saying, Who am I? What is this house that you have given me? So we need to approach God in a very humble manner. We also can't be as the hypocrites. We read in Matthew 6, 5, the Bible says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not do, be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. 
Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. This isn't about the posture that we're in when we pray, or whether it's public or private. It is not about that. For there are many examples in the Bible of people praying, standing up, bowing down, kneeling, even lying face down in the dirt. This isn't about public or private because Jesus prayed publicly and privately. So it wasn't that. The Bible says, yeah, they love to pray, but it tells us why they love to pray. So that they can be seen of others and appear to be holier. Jesus said, don't do as them. Don't do as the hypocrites. The word hypocrite in the Greek means to be a, a stage player or an actor, someone who's putting on a show for everyone. And is that not what this man, these men were doing in Matthew 6? But Jesus tells us instead, enter into thy closet. Talk to God one-on-one -on -one as communing with a friend. Jesus was often found praying alone, as we just read in the examples. The same goes for our public prayer. We should talk to God, talk to our Father one-on-one. -on -one. But we also need to be considerate of others. <clears throat> we shouldn't try to impress our brothers and sisters with our words. I mean, I'm from Decatur, Arkansas. What am I doing speaking in 1500 Old English with all the thee, thou, arts, thine, or whatever else? Unless I was trying to impress everyone that was listening to me pray. I'm a y'all kind of person. It's just who I am. It's how I talk. So let us not pray as hypocrites and try to put on a show for others. But let us go to the Father with reverence and humility. Now, God will hear our prayers, but only with certain conditions. And in no particular order is this lined out. The first condition of our prayer is to have faith. James 1, 6-7 says, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is, as, is, is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. James makes an amazing illustration here of a man who doubts and a wave. When there is no wind, the wave is nice and calm. But as soon as the wind picks up, the, wind, the waves are driven to and fro. They become boisterous. So is a man who doubts. I mean, when everything is going well, a man will pray with all hope and faith that God will listen to his prayers. But as soon as life begins to get difficult, uncertainty, doubt settle in. Is God even listening? Why aren't you answering my prayers? Father, I'm sinking here. God can read our hearts. And if our mouths are saying, God, please do this for me, but in our hearts, we don't have the real trust, the, the confidence in God, why would God answer our prayers? So where does this faith come from? The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Mark eleven twenty four also tells us, Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. We must pray in faith, and believe in God will give us what He has promised us. But if we ask for things He hasn't promised us, we ask amiss. And James tells us that in James 4, verse 3. The Bible says, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, 
that you may consume it upon your own lust. James was saying that you're not receiving what you ask for because you want to consume it upon your own desires, upon your own pleasures. It's not wrong to ask God for the comforts in this life. For instance, a house. We all need a house, a car. We all need a car to drive to and from work. But when we start asking God for the luxurious things in life to fulfill our fleshly needs, that's what James was talking about here. We'll be so consumed in what we want for our lives that we forget about God in His church. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, Thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. So let us not pray for our will to be done, but for God's will to be done. In 1 John 5.14, the Bible says, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to the, His will, He heareth us. If we ask anything according to our will, we already know that God is not going to hear us. But if we ask boldly according to God's will, He will hear us. Jesus, as always, is our prime example in everything in life. Nobody wants to be persecuted, beaten, mocked, or even crucified. And neither did Jesus. Jesus prayed three times, let this cup pass from me. But it was not His will needing to be fulfilled. It was God's. And the only way to know God's will is through study. Study of His Word. People today try to, find, try to look everywhere else besides the Bible to find God's will. When in fact, God has already told us, He has already given us His will and is all here in the Bible. But know that it's going to require work out of us to know what God's will is. We must also pray in the name of Jesus. John 14, verses 13 to 14. And whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus is at the right hand of God mediating for us. Without Jesus, we are nothing but a sinner. The best way of explaining this is, I, you see, I come upon, upon some troubles, and I ask a friend if he can help me in some way. So he goes to his father and petitions for me. And because the father is well pleased in his son, and since I'm friend with his son as well, he answers my request through his son. Although I am very undeserving of his help, but because he loves his son, he answers my petition. Or how many here have tried to go out with a friend, but... You weren't too sure if your mom was going to say yes or no. So you tell your friend, hey, can you, go tell, can, you, can you go ask my mom if she'll let me go? Because if I ask her, she is not going to let me go. But if you ask her, she'll definitely say yes. That's kind of what, how we talk or say in Jesus' name. Know that we are undeserving of asking anything of God. But because of Jesus, we can. Jesus is that friend who will go to his Father and petition for us, if we ask in his name. We must also be living righteously. And 1 Peter verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 12, the Bible says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. 
<clears throat> Peter tells us that God watches over and listens to those who are righteous. We can't make our own righteousness, for our own righteousness is as filthy rags, as the prophet Isaiah says. Our righteousness comes from God through Jesus Christ. But it is, know that it is up to us to maintain our righteousness. We are told to put off our old sinful ways and walk in the newness of life. No one is able to walk that walk for you, except you. If we don't live according to God's will, it says that He will not hear us. But if we do God's will, He is going to hear us. John 9 verse 33, Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, he heareth. All who pray will not be heard. But all who meet the conditions of an acceptable prayer will be, as we just studied here. When we pray, let us pray in faith. Let us pray for the right reasons and not for our fleshly desires, according to God's will and in the name of Jesus Christ. We must also be living a righteous life. We've talked about what prayer is, of how we should approach God in prayer, and the conditions of our prayers. Now we'll answer what we need to be praying about, or what we need to be praying for. First and foremost, we need to pray for wisdom, for God's wisdom. In James 1 verse 5, the Bible says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. We should be praying for God's wisdom, and not this false earthly wisdom nowadays. A good example of someone praying for wisdom and receiving God's wisdom is the wisest man to ever live, King Solomon. After Solomon made this great offering up to God, God appeared unto Solomon. In 2 Chronicles 1, verse 7 and 10, In that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, what, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father, and hast made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established, for thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth and multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people, who, for who can judge this thy people that is so great? God said, you can have anything, just let it be known. And Solomon did. Solomon prayed that God would give him wisdom and knowledge to be able to rule God's people. And God says, since you didn't ask for the riches in life, for the wealth, for the honor, for a long life, or even the life of your enemies, I will grant you wisdom and knowledge so that he could rule over his people. We must also pray for the forgiveness of our sins. 1 John 1.9 But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us pray for the forgiveness of our sins, but not just our sins, also the sins of our brothers and sisters, of all the saints. Paul, after presenting the armor of God, he gave us one more thing to be able to stand up against the wiles of the devil. In Ephesians 6.18, he tells us, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for 
all saints. For all the saints who just like us have hearts that are prone to evil, that need the grace of God just like us. And nothing helps us love our brothers and sisters more than when we forget their wrongs and when we pray for them. We must know that if we say we have no sin, we have deceived ourselves. For the Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Who we don't want to be like is the Pharisee in Luke 18 who said, At least I'm not like these other people. I'm not a murderer. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a thief. That may be true, but like I said, or how the Bible says, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Pray for the forgiveness of your sins and the sins of your brothers and sisters. We must also pray for the help in time of temptation. Matthew 6.13 tells us, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know when most people commit the, mm, sins? It's usually when they think no one is watching them. And I can attest to this. As a younger man with a cell phone in a dark room locked in there, I was led to a bunch of temptations. And I, it was easy to go through with them because I believed no one was watching me. Now, I'm not saying this will completely stop you from committing sin, but I am saying that it will be a lot more difficult to go through with it when we're talking to God, when we're constantly in prayer with God. It's easier to commit a sin whenever you're not talking or even thinking about God. We also need to pray for the rulers of, that rule over us, who are, have authority over us. In 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 and 4, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Paul was saying pray. <clears throat> pray for those who are in authority, whether you like them or not. But pray for a quiet and peaceable life that we may be able to gather together and worship God as we are today, without the fear of persecution. We also need to pray for the sick, for the widows, for the orphans. Uh, uh, James 5.14 says, If any sick among you, is, is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. We need to pray for those that are sick among us. Once again, we must remember that it's not our will that needs to be done, but it is God's. We must also pray for the enemies, for our enemies. Jo uh, Matthew 5, 44, the Bible says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despisefully use you and persecute you. It seems like most things in Christianity, it is counterintuitive to our hu human nature. When someone hits you in the face, you, you want to hit them back. And when the world tells you to fight back against your enemies, Jesus tells us to not, to love them, to pray for them. 
And that's what Jesus did as well. As he was hanging on the cross, he prayed to God, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus prayed for the very people that were crucifying him. We also must not pray for their harm or misfortune. Legitimately pray for them, because in verse 45, the Bible says, That ye may be children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. If you want to be a son of God, love and pray for your enemies. We also need to pray for our needs. Proverbs 30 verse 8 says, Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Here it's saying, Make me neither poor nor rich. But give me my portion of food. Give us day by day our daily bread. Don't pray for excess. Don't be as the rich fool in Luke 12 when he had so much access that he had to tear down his barns to build bigger barns so he can store more. And Luke 12, verses 17 through 19, the Bible says, And he thought with himself, saying, What shall I do because I have no more room? I have no room where to stow my fruits. And he says, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, Thou hast much good laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Jesus said in Luke uh, 11, verse 3, in the Lord's Prayer, He said, Give us day by day our daily bread. Let us pray for our daily needs. We must also pray for the gospel to go out into the world. In 2 Thessalonians 3, 1, the Bible says, Finally, brethren, pray for us, that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. We need to pray for the workers of the Lord. We need to pray for God's message to have free course without any obstruction. Think of a wide open highway, no cars, no semis, no one going 10 miles below the speed limit in the fast lane. Just you and the wide open road. That's how we want the gospel message to go out. So let us pray for that gospel has that kind of avenue. You can just flow throughout the world. As I mentioned earlier, we must pray with thanksgiving just as the early church did. Philippians 4, 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Paul wrote to the Philippians to not be anxious, but be in prayer with thankfulness and want, and let God know. I mean, and sometimes it's not easy to be thankful. Often we go to God, Father, let me complain about everything that is going wrong in my life. This person did this to me. I don't like this. I don't like that. And we finish off, and thank you for Jesus. Amen. Let us pray with all thanksgiving to the Father who has given us everything, just like how He gave us His one and only Son. John 3.16 for God to love the world that he gave us, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Thanks be to God that he loved us and that he gave us his son, Jesus.
It is because of Jesus that we're able to go to the Father's throne and speak to him. We read earlier that God does not listen to sinners. And in fact, he turns his face, he hides his face from them. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, and the reward for that is death. But we have a chance to be one with God again, just like we did back in the garden. And that's through Jesus Christ, our Savior. If you truly want your prayers to be answered, it all begins by doing God's will and being baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. Now to give a quick uh, recap of the lesson, we must remember that it's important for us to pray. If it was important for Jesus to pray, it should be even more for us. If we are to call ourselves Christians, we need to follow after Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. The early church laid a great example of always being in prayer. We must know how to approach God. We must approach Him with reverence, with humbleness of mind, not putting on a show for others. We must also understand the conditions of our prayer. We must pray with, in faith for the right reasons. We must pray for the will of God to be done. We must be living a righteous life. And we must pray in the name of Jesus Christ. We also need to pray for our wisdom, for God's wisdom, I should say, for the forgiveness of our sins and for all the saints, for our enemies, for our needs, for the gospel to go out and to give thanks for all things because everything that we have is given from God. If any of you are struggling with their prayer life, that can all change today. Talk to God. Go to Him in prayer. If anyone is struggling this morning and would like prayers from the church, let your request be made known as we stand and sing. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.